Good evening and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. Hope everybody's doing well out there, holding up yeah. as best they can. Sure thing. Um, some of this craziness will be, you know, starting to be behind us this time next week. So it's a uh, we got good news tonight. We have stuff to talk about, Rob. I'm really excited. I know. There's about like it. real it's just sports, pure on the sports, no yeah. BS here at all. Yeah, real sports on the horizon. Um, probably some version of winter sports coming, and we actually this is an all JMU football podcast tonight. Yeah, uh, we have a fun Halloween, you know, traditional Halloween overtime tonight, uh, and we'll get to some overtime stuff later. But it, it's really. It's it was awesome. We were kind of putting this together, and uh, Rob, I incredibly, uh, people did think the quality sound quality was better last week. <laughs> I know now when they don't listen, it's due to our bad content, not to right. our, <laughs> right. the ego. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was glad that a couple people called us out. We're like, wait, didn't we buy shirts for that a year yeah, like a did. year ago? <laughs> yeah, you did. I, I don't think people understand how intimidated we are by this podcasting technology and how completely overwhelmed <laughs> we've we've tried this multiple times throughout the years to be like, we're we're gonna make the switch. We're getting a new platform. We're gonna get all new mics and. Thank goodness Bernie's just kind of was like doing our buddy Rick is yeah. a is a professional voiceover yes. talent. Is that what you yes, call him? I don't know. The talent, yeah. Yeah. And he finally like he started his own podcast and it sounded great. We reached to him and he just gave us a full list of equipment <laughs> and everything to do. So made it much easier and gave us the the not so gentle push that we've needed for the past two years. Yeah, and it's actually been nice. It motivated me. Uh, I can I can say confidently that we are going to have a real guest again mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Um, it also motivated us to invite a couple of other guests. So we may have another one. And one of them is considerably younger than us. And I I did feel better about it with like real software yeah. and stuff, right? I didn't want no, to be the old men that can't work the technology. Right. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're doing better uh, getting there. I'm going to be doing this whole little closet that i'm recording in in like egg crates soon rob so oh wow <laughs> i don't know we'll have to really go for it yeah my cousin's um, a um, audio engineer or acoustic, oh, yeah. acoustic engineer so uh-huh. not, not like a recording engineer but he's the one that designs auditoriums and conference rooms and stuff oh, like yeah. that maybe i'll need to get him to give us some tips <laughs> yeah how to do your COVID office yes. yeah yeah right exactly um well look we don't have we haven't we're not plugging any sponsors, but go buy Pale Fire beer. I got my Pale Fire mug out tonight, Rob. I got my JMU much love Pfizer and my Jimmy Moreland jersey for all of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, so nice. yeah, really and, good and stuff. And hit the boys up at Mossy Creek. It is a wonderful time to do some fishing. Absolutely. I, I spent yeah. many hours last Thursday and Friday uh, sight casting for trout at a little stream here in Northern Virginia that was stocked last week. Mm-hmm. And it was insane. I, I, oh, nice. No, well, I did not catch a thing. I talked to so many, but I felt good. Like every other angler I talked to uh-huh. was having the same experience. Good. I'm sure there are people out there that know better than me, but everybody I talked to, these fish, when they're, when they're freshly put into the streams from mm-hmm. the hatcheries, they are just the dumbest animals on earth. They still don't know how to feed. I mean, I am not a good fish, fisherman, but I was dropping some really nice casts. It was just these fish were not biting on anything. And mm. I was I tried every fly I had in my fly box. And mm. I talked to a bunch of guys who were geared up way better than me and certainly looked like they were better than me. They were <laughs> in the same block, but it was frustrating because I spent hours like I was finding the fish, I was able to spot them, and they would not bite a second. But uh-huh. all well, that being it, said, still yeah. still pretty fun to spend a day out in the water. Sure is. And and we'll have to talk to the experts, Brian and Colby down there. Yeah, so they can Girl. laugh at me and tell yes. me everything I'm doing wrong. I'm confident we will be 
re-engaging with Mossy Creek um, in short order this fall. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so go see our friends at both places. Um, big thanks to both of them for hanging with us this year. Looking forward to talking with them at length as we get a little, maybe a chance to get back to the Berg before too long. Um, we got two things tonight. We're going to do, we're going to talk about the schedule. We have a football schedule, an actual JMU football schedule. A real for better, teams, for, dates. Teams, dates. Yeah. Potential tickets, all kinds of stuff, right? No, um, really exciting. The schedule dropped this week. We're going to start with that. We're going to move on to some, just the best week of NFL stuff in quite some time um, before we do a little overtime. But yeah, Rob, I mean, the biggest news at JMU this week, um, well, I didn't know what to say. With the programs we cover, right, is that the, the full spring football schedule dropped this week. And JMU is scheduled, slated at this moment, to play eight games in the spring. It is going to be odd. Um, I will get to all, all the different angles in a second. And, and we say, say spring, but the first game is in February. February 20th. The season would kick off February 20th at home against Moorhead State. And they'll play All so they'll play more Phil Sims. There you go. <laughs> they'll play Moorhead State and Robert Morris at home. Two teams we have who have been to Bridgeforth a couple of times in the last decade or so, even half decade, I think. Um, we'll come to Bridgeforth again February 20th and 27th in the you know wonderful late February Harrisonburg weather that we all love so much. Uh, so they'll be there. Those are the two out of conference games. Both of those teams, I think, were either scheduled or I don't know. Clearly, there's an outstanding relationship with those schools. I don't know the answer to whether those are by games still. I assume on some level they are, but I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> um, those are questions for people we talk to between now and, and January. Uh, and then that Jamie's going to play six CAA games. This is weird. It's also kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know how to look at this, but they're going to play Elon, William & Mary, and Richmond each twice, home and home. I think you're looking at it the right way. It is cool, and right. it is weird. Yes. You know? And I think that's fine. And this year, it's spring football, which mm-hmm. is an anomaly in and of itself. Um, there are worse things than playing William & Mary and Richmond twice, and even Elon. Like, even Elon, Elon. is kind of weird. I don't they understand become a the whole... Bit of a... They become a little bit of a... I don't want to say a rival, but there's some interest there. Yes. Certainly due to the Signetti thing. And mm-hmm. the fact that they knocked JMU off were the first first team to beat JMU in a number of years mm-hmm. in Houston's last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe this makes me pathetic, but that still kind of stings for me as a fan. <laughs> yeah. So there is a little bit of kind of friendly animosity, certainly from, from my perspective towards Elon. I know a lot of people are indifferent, like, oh, Elon. I'm fine with it. I think it's good. Dropping mm-hmm. Towson. So yeah. it stinks to kind of not have Delaware, but I kind of like the way they did it with the home and homes in the South. And then everybody plays everybody in a round Robin format up North. It looks really odd at first when you see the way that divisions are split North and South. Mm-hmm. You're like this, this is completely, you know, this makes no sense, but then it makes perfect sense. It's the only way to do it fair. But with it, that, it is. Sort of strength the schedule within the North South divisions. Yeah. I think you know? Towson bailing made it seem even weirder because you've only got four teams in the bottom and, what seven teams in the top. And so it just looks really even more unbalanced, but I'm with you. I think, um, I, I, there are reasons, right. And some of those reasons have to do with different state protocols and trying to anticipate different state protocols in the spring, uh, between the Southern, you know, 
the, the southern, more southern states and the northeastern states who have been stricter on certain things. And I do think it makes sense. I mean, I think it looks like all of the teams, all of the games played between CAA teams will have the potential for, you know, quite literal down and back bus trips for the teams, right? I mean, there may be no overnights required. I can't guarantee that for that North division. I don't know from Orono, Maine to villain. I mean, I don't, you know, some of those get long, but I would still think like even Jamie to Elon, you might go down the night. You might go down. It's just tough to travel three or four hours on a bus and then play a game, play a football game coming back. Certainly you can get back that night. Yeah, yeah, but it certainly makes it a lot easier, uh, saves some money, and gives you the potential if things are, you know, really in bad shape to potential to to do it if you have to. Uh, I, I, for me, like you said, I'm really kind of happy with the three teams we're playing, <laughs> right? I mean, if you gave me the choice, those are probably the three I'd like. You said Delaware and Towson might hold a little bit of interest, but these are the three we somewhat care about. And I think it's nice. I will say this, uh, they go to Elon March 6th. So heading South early season doesn't bother me. Um, and never having to travel to the North in this horrendous weather season. I mean, I can only imagine what, you know, Maine, New Hampshire is going to look like in late February. So into March, even into March. Yeah. I mean, you could have some serious snow football games, Albany, Stony Brook, all those teams. Yeah, for sure. And, and JMU seems, you know, it's possible those February games and and even into the first part of March, but probably not anything significant. So that's the schedule, right there. They play eight games, the two out of conference, Moorhead state and Robert Morris, which will probably be handy JMU wins. I think it's safe to say. And then, you know, Elon, William & Mary, and Richmond each twice. Uh, they finish at with Elon at home on April the 10th. And I did like that they set the schedule up. There is a built-in open week on April 17th. Presumably that's the week before the playoffs start. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we had some playoff discussion a little while back, and I don't recall everything, but I know it ends mid-May. So I would think... Late yeah, April, you know, it's like a three or four teams. week tournament. Yeah. yeah. It's like the old, it's the old FCS. Play. Yeah. And the interesting thing for the CAA is they obviously run the risk this year of, uh, you know, like if we're, I, Jamie's going to be heavily favored in all eight games, unless they lose one of the first round robins, sort of, yeah. you know, or there's an injury situation. Or, yeah. Know, or something on happened. On paper though, Jamie, it, it's, this is not purple colored glasses to say like eh, eight. No, is, is in the cards. Hey, no, it's definitely in the cards. Uh, the weird thing this year will be, you know, there's two parts to this, right? There's the, it's possible there are two eight, no CAA teams this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly possible there are two undefeated teams in the CAA. I don't know everybody's out of conference. I don't know every, all the other teams out of conference set up. Uh, but what would that mean in a year where I think the playoffs, you know, there's very limited at large. I think bid. there's five. Am yeah, I, so that's about right. So in, in yeah. that ballpark. Yeah, so I mean, it certainly wouldn't be, it would not at all be surprising to have two teams from the CAA. It would be almost unthinkable to have three this year. So you really need to go eight and zero, <laughs> yeah. or you know, or at least five and one in the conference to and win your part of it, the South Pod, the North Pod. There is no conference championship game scheduled, so who knows? Um, that open week on April seventeenth, I assume is is an attempt to 
give them a little bit of flexibility if one or more of these games have to be adjusted the way we've seen at the college and pro level this fall. So I just do double headers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's all right. I mean, that's the other thing, right? People are really booing and they're like, well, this schedule doesn't excite me and whatever, but a, you're not playing an FBS game in the spring because FBS isn't playing in the spring. And B, I, I like the idea of playing a limited schedule. I mean, we know that Moorhead state and Robert Morris for JMU on, on the JMU side of the ledger, those are probably going to be sort of preseason games. They, they tend to be, you know, the starters very rarely play much in the second half. So you're really looking at like six games and then maybe three or four playoff games if you do as well as you want to. Yeah, and, and I understand the fans eye-rolling at those. But in a year when you didn't really have spring football, mm-hmm. you had no summer camp to speak of, you're going to be trying – I mean, you've got practices going on now, but – you need to have those things. You need a quote. Oh, these kids pre-season. need to play. Yeah, yeah, you need to play. You need to figure things out. You need to see who knows what's going to forget about just quarterback. There's also situations like receiver who's, who's going to be the top dog or who's going to be the top couple dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the positions in the secondary. You need guys to get game reps. There's it's yeah. very different. Practice is obviously different than games, but you need those kind of warm ups now more than ever. You know, we all talk about how we would love to see JMU's out of conference schedule improve. I think they've done some steps to do that the past couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. Chattanooga game, an example, Weber State getting on schedule. That's great. But this year, yeah, I actually think this is like the two perfect opponents. You're going to have uh, who knows what's going on with the ability to even sell tickets. Mm-hmm. But even if you could sell 50% of the stadium in February, that's a tough draw. That's a mm-hmm. tough draw to Real go down draw. there. So you might as well just kind of be a little pragmatic about it and schedule some tune-up games. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, you know, and I, th- I think also it's a reasonable schedule. Say you are, I don't know, uh, Richmond in this pod. So I don't know, whatever. It, hypothetically. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let, let, let's just say Richmond's the worst team in this Southern half. Yeah. Right. And that this and is a real... And they are, and that this is a real, and this was always going to be a rebuilding season for them. You know, playing six and a half to eight games of real ball is stressful, but it's not an 11 or 12 game season preceding the normal fall season, right? I mean, this where this is going to get really challenging is, is for the teams, you know, whoever is fortunate enough to go all the way to Frisco in mid-May, you know, then you're going to be really... Um, and, and obviously we know what playoff games are like right there. It's a different intensity. And, um, certainly by May, we all hope maybe there can be, you know, almost fairly normal atmosphere. Um, you know, that gets really tough to turn around and, and come back to camp in on August 1st. You get a little bit of the Stanley cup hangover type thing. You do. Sometimes you see, you know, the teams that go real deep in the Stanley cup, it's tough for them to come back and play in October. Mm-hmm. In a normal year, and but we're gonna see the that. kids that are going to go to Frisco aren't going to pass it up, right? Um, whatever no. schools those are, whatever kids those are, they're going to love it. Um, you know, of course, I and and this is one of those things. I don't know. The ship has moved on this. I have some questions, right? I mean, the biggest fear of all is that someone gets injured during the spring season and essentially misses two seasons. Right. It, you get injured halfway through the spring season. You miss the rest of that. And then you don't, you know, your injury is the type that doesn't allow you to come back in the fall. That's going to suck. It's going to suck for someone at some school. 
probably someone at each school. Um, but I think if you ask all the kids right now, do you want to play football? They probably do. So, yeah, I've got a lot of reservations about this and, and yeah. now more than ever, you need to do a lot of rationalization as a college football fan, yeah. <laughs> uh, as a college sports fan. It is tough. There's no easy answer. A part of me thinks like, what is the point of doing spring from a kind of athletic department fiscal situation? Like if you can't mm -hmm. sell tickets, you really want to do it because inevitably you're going to need to delay or abridge next fall. But then I think what it gets down to is it, the kids need to play. The kids want to play. Um, mm -hmm. And I shouldn't say need. It's football. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. This is not crucial. It's not life or death. But of these kids that have gone there for a couple of years, in order to continue to progress as student athletes, yep. they need to get reps. Um, they do. There are, there, are, there are far bigger problems right now than people not progressing as college football players. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's tough to go a year, year and a half without playing at all. Um, at a certain point, you got to rip the bandaid off and realize like it's going to be messy. Yeah. What can we do? Let's try to make the best of it. And I think spring football is an example of just trying to make the best of it. Anybody who says this is a perfect plan and we're going to play in the spring and then we're going to flip the switch and play in the fall and everything's going to be fine is lying to you or they're crazy. Um, but it's just a situation like you can't continue to plan for when things are going to be back to normal in three months because this is proven that we don't know. We yeah. don't know. This is kind of like this is uh -huh. the ultimate example of kind of live for today. Um, right. You can't be completely reckless, but we can't just keep on counting of like, oh, if we cancel this now, we'll be fine in three months. We'll get in the fall. Who knows what's going to happen in the fall? The fall might be a bigger mess than this past fall. God willing, <laughs> it is not. Yes. But if you've got an opportunity to play, you've got a willing to. You've got an opportunity to maybe get out there, get some games, have some fun, create a distraction, whatever you want to categorize the point of football being. Mm -hmm. um, you can do that. I don't know what's going to happen from a revenue perspective. Nobody does. Um, ideally, I think the league is going to try to really push for getting these games off of, not off of flow, but the flow contract enables schools to sell to local markets or to over the air tele mm -hmm. linear television. I think they're obviously going to try to get it on mass in and things yeah, like that. This is my next big question is what is the coverage for next season? Yeah. I think yeah. Kevin Warner saying they're, they're going to try to do whatever they can to have something similar to years past. And I think people, I mean, I think football fans watch. will watch it. Right. And especially as we get into late April and May for the playoffs, I mean, a May 14th playoff game, you know, people are going to watch a, or a championship game. I, you know, football fans yeah, are going to watch that, right? There's no. Are, the thing you got to do is in terms of timing, you could see more weird stuff like, you know, how the FCS championship yeah. game Frisco kicks off at what, 11 or 12? Sure. You're going to see some of that because I know, for instance, like the day JMU plays Richmond, mm -hmm. everybody's like, oh, it'll be on Mass and we'll watch. Well, I think the, the Mets are in town to play the Nats. Yeah, There's yeah, Masson. Um, right. Saturday first, it's like first week of the season. That could be a one Oh five game. Right. You, you don't know. So there are situations like that. Um, we're going to need to be flexible, but maybe JMU says, Oh, wow. You know, they talked to Masson and they've got the one Oh five Mets Nats game. Maybe you do a, a six thirty JMU game. I don't know, but like you've got to figure stuff out. I think there is the opportunity to maybe get some new eyeballs on the game. Mm -hmm. That's but, yeah, but you need to work around hockey and baseball and basketball. Basketball, yeah. There's gonna be all, all these other things. things that are really big for regional sports networks. Yeah, um, yeah. It'll be weird. I mean, there's obviously there was always going to be challenges. I do think there's a market. I mean, there's not an XFL. There's not anything else. Um, to see Rashad Robinson make an interception in the the spring league um, the other day, which is what, was good. What is the spring league? I'm not is it actually sure. in. Uh, October. Like I, I, I yeah. saw that and I was like, Oh, that must be a practice. 
Because right, right. why would a spring league be having real games in October? Yeah. Was it supposed to be last spring? It may have been. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not actually sure, but I think with the XFL going away, at least for a while, um, you know, there is, as there always is, there's a need, there is a market for guys who, you know, don't want to give up their career and, and want to stay fit for, you know, potential opportunities to, to keep playing. <laughs> I think all the guys who thing. didn't have rookie camps because they didn't. Right, right. Shit. All this stuff. And that, that's the things that I wonder about, right? We've ta- we've heard from a little bit from Liam, Liam Fornado, Mike Green, a couple guys on the Jamie roster. I, I do think about it. It's going to be a lot of interesting things in the spring. You know, the NFL draft is going to fall right at the start of the playoffs. And it's going to be funny too. I mean, A, guys could get drafted and then be play, you know, have to make a decision about continuing to play after that. But B, you could also have guys not get drafted and then have a real showcase for two or three weeks against the best competition that FCS has to offer on television to get opportunities. You know, I mean, I think JMU and North Dakota State, as we're about to shift gears to, you know, one of the things that has drawn NFL scouts attention to these programs over the last few years is that they're always playing all they're playing forever every year. You know, there's a lot of games and, and those games at the end, a lot of tape, there's a lot of tape and the tape that you get, you know, it used to be, you got the tape against NC state and that was your only tape. Right. And now the tape you're getting at the end of the season against Weber, South Dakota state, North Dakota state. I think the NFL people are looking at that as valuable, you know, something that can be that they can glean information out of that's important to them. Right. Uh, Just because the quality of talent on both sides of the ball in the last, in the final eight teams, for example, in the FCS playoffs tends to be really, really strong. Mm -hmm. And I, I, yeah. So there'll be a lot of interesting things, but we are excited. I I, I think you got like Fernando and green. I think they're making the right choice. Not just from my perspective as a fan and wants him on the field, but from their perspective is trying to, to improve their NFL prospects. There's a difference between Trey Lance who's a projected first-round pick, Correct. and pretty much every other FCS prospect. Uh-huh. You've got some guys, you know, if, if you're a strong FCS prospect, that, you know, people will usually say, oh, maybe a late day two pick mm-hmm. or that's on the high end. That's an awful lot to give up, or that's a big risk to give up your, your senior year of spring football, as odd as it may be, for the chance that, oh, you know, I'm projected to maybe sneak into the fifth or sixth round. Versus, you know what, I, I like my chances of let me go out there and play and really show what I got and give myself a really good chance to make a team as an undrafted free agent. There's not a lot of difference between a sixth and seventh round pick and an undrafted free agent if you can find yourself in the right situation. So mm-hmm. um, Trey Lance, I think it's a no-brainer for him. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's not quite a no-brainer, but a much easier decision for Fernando. Fernando puts out good tape. He's going to find himself in an NFL camp. Green yeah. puts out some good tape and has a really strong season. He's going to find himself in NFL camp. And as we've seen over the past couple years, particularly Jamie, you guys, you get into camp, you've got a fighter's chance, better than a fighter's chance of making a roster. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just getting in the right situation and finding a team that actually has scouted you and knows you bring to the table and is bringing you in not just as a practice body, but as somebody who has a chance of making the roster. And, yeah. and I think that's the situation that Fernando and Green find themselves in more so than guys who are, who are really looking at being, you know, day two or, or even day three draft picks. 
Right, right. I can tell you, James Robinson from Illinois State has been enhancing my fantasy teams all year. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly out there. And I, I don't know if you have anything else on the schedule, Rob, but we I want to talk NFL. Um, yeah, it was a big weekend. It's a yeah. huge weekend, and I'm so glad that everybody in the JMU world uh, jumped on board this weekend. And we're about to have a uh, an absolute explosion of JMU Twitter this weekend. Um, but our boy, Jimmy F. And Moreland, um, <laughs> was pretty much, I mean, he really made the play to cause the safety to start the Washington runaway well, from he, Dallas. I thought Collins started the play and then Jimmy kind of, Jimmy kind of was the, the one safety. who actually tackled the guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually got the yeah, guy. He actually got the guy. Yeah. And Jimmy played, I mean, I watched pretty much the whole game this week. I he, mean, he, play, he played 80% of the game on defense. I mean, he he's in there pretty consistently now. And, you know, look, it's Dallas. We'll get to Dallas in a little bit. But the Redskins played better last weekend. And part of it is that there seems to be some, um, I don't know what to say. There's a little bit of Rivera putting his stamp on the guys who are producing are going to play, not the guys with the contracts, I guess. And, you know, like there's no legacy right now. And Jimmy was clearly a part of the the group that played this week and played well. I mean, he was involved. He had a few tackles. He was very involved um, in the game plan and just making, you know, being Jimmy being Jimmy. Right? If that guy didn't recover it in the end zone, Jimmy was about to score a touchdown. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah, and that was awesome. Um, one of the more underrated parts of the weekend I thought was Raven green led the Packers in tackles. He had eight tackles, five solos um, for green Bay last weekend. I feel like in all of the nooch excitement and yeah. the, the serious intersection of JMU and Washington football team. Yes. Fandoms. Mm-hmm. I think people are kind of sleeping out sleeping on, on Raven. Like he's becoming not just like, Oh, a guy who's going to play on Sundays. He's becoming a pretty big contributor on a Super Bowl contender. Yes. Well, we're going to talk about that for a couple of years. Yes, it has. And he's been kind of battling injuries to stay on the field. And and they saw this weekend when he stayed on the field, what he brings to the table. He's really good. And he, he's really versatile. I mean, he's really put on weight and you can tell how much work he's done in the weight room. Um, I mean, he really is like a safety, but plays kind of like a lot. I mean, he's very Palomalu esque, right? I mean, there's a lot of like linebacker ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it's the new you know, NFL, you know, kind yeah, of it's you're the new like NFL, a linebacker sure. safety sure. who can also cover, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, incredible news. And then I, I really enjoyed um, another guy, Dean Marlowe, who's been, I think, under the radar for a few years for us. You know, he goes back a few more years at JMU, but he, had a sack this weekend for the bills. Um, you know, I'd been, I was excited about the sack because I'd watched a couple bills games or little bits of bills games. And it seemed like he was mostly playing special teams. Now he's played and he's been on the bills for three or four years now. So it's not, you know, he's clearly a part of their plans, but, um, they, you know, it was good to see him on defense and then get the chance to make a play and and do so. And again, we're going to, cause the other thing is, I mean, Josh Wells has played a little bit for Tampa on the O-line. Um, Aaron Stinney, encourage everybody. There's a cool interview. Aaron Stinney gave a cool interview with Kurt Dudley last week, like a one of those, the, they broadcast the podcast, the podcast yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, they've actually been doing a good job with that stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed the one they did with Jeff Polglaze and Kevin White this week um, too on the leadership front. So pretty, pretty cool stuff they've been doing. But both Wells and Stinney, I mean, Wells and Stinney are playing for Tampa 
Marlowe playing for Buffalo and Raven playing for Green Bay, we gotta, really could have a JMU player a ring. in the Super Bowl get a ring this year. Now I know. Well, Marlowe was part Mar- of that. He was part of the Panthers team. I think he was on the practice squad, but he also was. I mean, people are going to laugh at us, but there were articles about him being kind of like the hype man for for the Cardinals and even the Cardinals for the Panthers. And this goes back to my notion as somebody who rode the bench for a couple of years in high school when I played. Like practice squad players are real players. Do, do not, let's not look down on that. We all love to see Nooch getting real snaps, but like um, it's a big deal. So this is not a situation where Marlowe. Oh, he he was just on the practice squad in Carolina for a couple of years. That counts. That absolutely yeah. counts. And it prepares them and it teaches you how to be a teammate and get out there and grind. And then you can jump at the opportunity you get in Buffalo or, or wherever. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And and I think we're seeing that. I mean, you read the stuff and you really read between the lines with Washington about Jimmy. There is this, you know, it helps when you're a good guy. Like in the locker room, on the yes. field, when your teammates people like you. People want to be around you. Yeah. People want to be around hard. you. You work hard. Your coaches like you're you. Enthusiastic. You know, yeah. Yes, you're, and you're super competitive. And JMU is certainly producing that group. Um, and, and lest I forget, I, I guess uh, Daniel Brown's still playing for the Jets and Rondo Carter. On and the, the Jets still count at the NFL. The Jets, Jets still, do. That's still so professional football. Still count that. Yeah, they're probably not going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the big, big news of the weekend, and we're, we're burying the lead here, is Ben DiNucci is the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Let's say that again. Ben DiNucci is the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, on Sunday you know, Night Football. On, he is actually playing for the division lead, as sad as that is, yeah. um, on Sunday Night Football this week against... None other than Carson Wentz of North Dakota State fame and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, sometimes rivalries get built in strange places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, Ben, the big story last week before we even get to this week was we all went crazy, what, two Monday nights ago or a week. Yeah, whatever it was, a week ago Monday when Ben got in the very last series uh, against the Cardinals and handed off three times. Nothing had happened to Andy Dalton. The Cowboys were just getting their ass kicked. And we were very excited to see him make his debut. And we thought this is all nice. And we thought maybe he'll play next week. I hope he gets to play in Washington. Unfortunately, we did not want him to play in the way that he had to play. Um, there was just a terrible, you know, one of those just awful hits. No, there's, took, there's yeah. absolutely, we don't need nothing. To there's don't there's need, no place for that in the game. No, that was just and, ugly. Yeah. So Andy Dalton went out with a concussion. He has been in the league's concussion protocol a week, which is surprising to absolutely nobody who watched that hit. Mm -hmm. And as I think it's very unlikely, I mean, it's not a real thing. They're not taking it seriously. If they're putting him on the field this Sunday, it doesn't seem like. No, that's right. And, um, you know, a good thing to me, I think it's been funny to watch sort of the national story from Danucci came in the game on Sunday against Washington, Dallas, Washington, right? And first play is a pitch to Zeke and it's a botch. And I don't really know, you know, Danucci was kind of nice about, I mean, he, he took the fall for it after the game, but I, I also saw some interviews where Zeke was pretty, pretty cool about it too, being like, yeah, it was on me. Um, but, you know, some miscommunication, maybe not the best play call for your rookie quarterback right there in the first play. Uh, the Cowboys off- offensive line is in shambles. 
I mean, it's just horrendous. Washington looked like a Super Bowl contender because they were playing Dallas only last week. They do have a, a good defensive line. It's not a great mm-hmm. team by any stretch, but they've oh, got Washington. a good yeah, pass yeah, rush. They do. Yeah. They do. But um, second play, I mean, Ben comes right out of the huddle and he makes the, the best play of the – I mean, no doubt, no lie, not, not exaggeration, the Cowboys' best play of the game. Um, you know, 31-yard completion down the sideline to Amari Cooper on the – you know, that little hole in the cover two between the corner who lets you go and the safety coming over. Uh, I've seen some – you know, I've watched it about a billion times this week, and there, you could argue as to whether if he'd gotten it a little bit more out in front, maybe was, Cooper six, goes yeah. to the house, right? Um, you also could say like maybe the safety. I don't know. It's his first throw of your career. He slung it out there. He's probably not. You know, he hasn't been playing with Amari Cooper at game speed no. <laughs> that often, right? Um, it was the best throw. It was better than any throw Andy Dalton had made to that point in the game. That's not even a knock on Dalton. It just, that's a fact. And, and then he made another completion, I think to CeeDee Lamb um, on another drive. So he was two for three. He had one incompletion. He was two for three. He ended up getting sacked three times, which was, I mean, I don't know how many sacks the Redskins or the Washington, Washington had yeah. on the day. But the Cowboys weren't stopping anyone. I I don't know. I argued with a friend last night about this. I, weirdly, Danucci might be, if you're going to have a terrible offensive line, he might be better suited than Dalton. <laughs> like, because he can move around a little bit. I don't know. I mean, that's probably not accurate because Dalton's experienced. But to the Cowboys credit, I mean, the story this week, I mean, just watching the sort of national conversation, everyone's like, who the hell is this? And James Madison, all this stuff. How can you do this? I, I also think you know the Cowboys brought in another quarterback a couple of weeks ago. And they're choosing. Who's been to, around for a while. Who's been around for a while. And they're choosing to keep Danucci ahead of him. And obviously there were guys they could have traded for. They could have made a move for. Um, it's a weird set of circumstances though. Cause like, yeah, because Dalton's probably coming back next week. Dalton's probably coming back. And so do you yeah, really want to trade for, like, a, for a Fitzmagic? Because yeah. he can be available for the Dalton, for the Dolphins or for right, the or Jameis or whoever. But, like, do you really? Yeah. But if you do that, then the, the traded player needs to clear some sort of NFL COVID, COVID quarantine of seven yeah. days. It's like you would have had to do that Sunday night. Now it's like it is a weird set of circumstances, but it creates an opportunity. Um, Hell yeah, it does. Look, who knows? This this might be a Tony Romo Tony Romo situation where a guy comes the in. The Cowboys and, wow, have a know? history of this. I was of just going to say, Eastern Illinois, one double A Tony Romo. They have had, you know, it, it's Babe anything, Loppenberg games in the past, right? <laughs> it's anything from like, wow, this is going to be the serendipitous Kurt Warner type story of a guy getting a shot, all the way to. Hey, this is something some random dude tells his kids about 50 years from now. Where the day that I played with the Cowboys, you know, like that's the range here. Um, I do think you actually have a point in terms of him being kind of well suited for this, or not well suited, but more suited than Dalton. It is yeah. going to be a disaster for whatever quarterback lines <laughs> up behind that Dallas offensive line in the next couple of years. So you just kind of need to take the good with the bad, and it's going to be like who can. Who can make plays when everything breaks down? Mm-hmm. It's scary thinking about a rookie, a rookie from James Madison. A, you know, you tell the story, but like, okay, Newt showed has shown himself to be pretty good when he's out and improvising and mm-hmm. kind of playing with that swagger. And I don't think he's going to be that same sort of finger guns Newt 
that <laughs> was a JMU. But uh, did you see the Ezekiel Elliott quote today? Like, no. About, they talked about Zeke. Zeke asked like how Nietzsche was doing. He's like, oh, he's playing tons of swagger, tons of confidence. You know, I'm really he, he's got a lot of information. I'm I'm proud of him. You know, or, or whatever. I think he, yeah. I think he's gonna be good. Not proud of him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they made some sort of comment of like, are you talking about his play in practice? Or are you going off his reputation? And Zeke was like, I wouldn't even know where to get this guy's college tape. You know, like, I'm talking about practice. Right? Yeah, he's talking about practice. Like, talking so about the guy I've seen since camp. About the, yeah. It's like, it sounds like Nooch is being Nooch, where he's getting out there, he's enthusiastic, mm-hmm. and he's playing kind of, I don't want to yeah, say yeah. Sandlot, because that Free. does a disservice, but Nooch is really good when stuff breaks down and his athleticism and kind of competitiveness takes over. Mm-hmm. And that can be an asset if you're playing behind a historically awful <laughs> offensive line. If well, it's like, if it's like, I got nothing to lose, I'm gonna be running for my life, right? And just kind of having fun and making crazy sidearm throws and you know running and diving. I I don't know, like, yeah, I'm yeah, not gonna say I'm excited. Today, Nooch is better than Dalton. Dalton, every, no, he's no, a, no, no, a punchline for a lot of people, but the guy's had a pretty successful career. Right. By any objective measure, you know he, he's not in the damn Reno's of the world, but he's been a starter for what ten years, nine, ten years. Right. The um, difference between him and Eli is, you know, is it's, it's the team big. around them, right? Yeah. yeah no, no, exactly. I just mean it's like they're probably both like their circumstances. Ten to twentieth, you know, quarterback in the league on any given well, year. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, yeah, I, know. I know you're the Giants <laughs> guy, but I mean. Shot. Right. No, like, no, but I, I mean, you know, it's it's having Jason Pierre-Paul and Michael Strahan and, and making huge plays at big moments that also helps you win those games, right? <laughs> I, I mean, it is sort well, of where Cincinnati, point, he's surrounded I, by... I'm going to try not to take offense your, to your Eli. Stein, no, no, but, sorry, sorry, sorry. But I do think you're making a good point where, like, the difference between the first, the number one quarterback in the NFL and the 30th quarterback in the NFL is not as great as many of us think. Correct. They are all pretty darn good. And it's who's put in the best circumstances. Clearly, the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's of the world are different than whatever. You're, you're, you're Dwayne Kyle Haskins Allen or Kyle Dwayne Allen. Allen you know, yeah, like, yeah. Whatever. Or, or Eli. Like Eli's kind right. of that, that tier. The guy who was able to elevate his game when it right. mattered. Um, but then it's just about circumstances. And yeah. are, are you put in a situation where you've got terrific receivers or a great running game or a great offensive line? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But if you're put in a situation that maybe your team's weaknesses in some way might actually highlight your ability, maybe you catch a break. And I think that's what we're sitting back. I think that's what we – the yeah. best case scenario, that's what we're going to see with Nooch. It's like, yeah, stuff breaks down and it's just jailbreaks and going crazy. But through that, like, he goes crazy, maybe sacked four or five times, but he breaks off four runs over the course of mm-hmm. the night. Or he scrambles and hits Cooper on on a crazy, you know, broken play type thing. Like, can he can he be in a situation where he shows enough in a bad in a bad game and a bad line where it's like, wow, that guy has potential. If we could get him in a good system with good players, he's worth keeping around. He's worth maybe investing in and, and keeping on the roster and maybe continuing to develop. I think well, that's probably of, the best case for yeah. him, and I, I think that's also it's a hell of an opportunity. Case. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a hell of an opportunity that is created by like unthinkable circum crazy circumstances, right? But he also there's some things to this. I mean, one, it's interesting you brought up the Zeke quote today. I didn't know about that, but I have been wondering. Just you know, teams do have a sense. I mean, the Cowboys have clearly. Let's just say the players seem to be questioning the Mike McCarthy 
hire and regime. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention whatever Mike Nolan's doing on the defensive side of the ball. That's just a disaster. Um, but, you know, at the same time, the players tend to rally. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, do the players stand up a little bit because they have a kid who shouldn't be out there, you know, who they, you know, maybe, you know, is thrust into this circumstance. You know, you hope he gets some help from his teammates. I, I also think it's a cool thing for, and I'll bet Danucci would even say this. He has gone into the game the last two weeks. Like it, it's kind of a nice runway from what you would normally get as a rookie backup quarterback where he had the, you know, that opportunity a couple of weeks ago to come in and play, you know, sort of get the nerves of your first NFL no, experience. Tom, I, I think that's the- an excellent point. Like just yeah. even, even just those handoffs. Yeah, make it's a difference like, it's not like, oh my gosh, what's going to He's been there, done that to some degree. Yeah, now he's taken some sacks. He's taken some hits. He made two completions. He's not looked like an idiot. You know, like, you know, he hasn't gone out there and thrown up all over himself on national TV. Correct. I and mean, he played a quarter and a half this week. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I think the other players are going to watch the film and be like, you know what? That's a pretty good throw. Like, you know, I wish it's also didn't... funny to me is hearing people talk about like, oh, he's got a strong arm, which is something that so many Jamie fans mm-hmm. questioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was waiting for people to come out this week and be like, Cole Johnson should be starting for the Cowboys instead. Like, it just it makes me laugh as two guys who are accused of being nuched, you know, apologists. <laughs> yeah. When we said he was good enough to start for JMU and good enough to take him in a deep playoff run, and yeah. he proved that he was. But like, the guy has a lot of talent, and and, and he's got that confidence, like. This is one of those situations where he's just he's kind of playing with house money. Yep. Oh and- yeah. Well, that's the thing that's so crazy about this, Rob, is that if you know in any other year, this would be a funny story at the bottom of the league, where like the third string guy would come in and you'd say, Ben is the perfect guy in this situation because it's like you want him to come in and sling it. Mm-hmm. You want him to come in and play with that. I don't know about the finger guns, but the conf- the swag that he had his first game at JMU when they're down in Raleigh playing NC state, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't perfect. He threw a pick in that game, but he also made some cool plays and kept JMU in the game. Right. And, yeah. and it's just this insane circumstance of this, you know, all time historically bad division that makes this game have any stakes at all. Right. And a coach I mean, like, he got yeah. drafted through some weird, like elevator yes, ride. Yes, yes. You were my, my coach. Brother, your your you brother was my coach. Like, yeah. and it's a coach who, being kind, is on the hot seat. So it's like, you know what? If if he didn't get this situation to show what he's got, you think about what what that could be one of those situations where it's like one and done. Kyle yeah. Aletta. Yeah, you know Kyle Aletta. Yeah. Sign with the Giants. Make your one like, mistake, and then and yep. you're just boom. And I think he signed with somebody in the practice squad, but like. It's just one of those things. Like you can be a late round draft pick or a backup quarterback, and if you don't have somebody supporting you or somebody mm-hmm. who understands why you're brought in the team, they're going to bring in their own guys. Right. You talk about coaches bringing in their own guys for assistance. Mm-hmm. You also see a lot of coaches. You're seeing it in Washington oh, yeah. who bring yeah. in their own guys for Kyle backup Allen. QB. Kyle <laughs> right. Allen, you know, like that's my guy. You know, it's great when you think about Mike McCarthy, the quarterback whisperer. He developed Aaron Rodgers. Oh, he's he saw something in Nooch. You get so excited about that two months ago. But now you're like, oh, Mike McCarthy, the guy who's going to be fired at the end of the season. Sure. It's a little bit like, ooh, scary. Like, now Nooch has an opportunity through these weird set of circumstances to, like, going back to what we said about Green and um, and Fernando, to get some tape out there and yeah. some stuff. So it's great. 
it, it's cool. I, I hope he does well. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous or, or more, a lot nervous um, for it just because of all these things we've talked about, these things that give him opportunities to shine, the bad offensive line, the fact that the team is, you know, really so down nowhere to go but up. Um, it There's the potential there for a wonderful story. There's also the potential for him getting sacked eight times and the receivers giving up and not running routes and, you know, the locker yeah. room implodes, blah, 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 blah. I, I got to think it's going to be some situations where he's going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but he's also going to make some enough plays to get people excited. And, you know, the, the old cliche that the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in every losing NFL <laughs> yeah. team's town, you know, like uh, this, oh, yeah. it's a tough situation, but it's also maybe the best situation for a seventh round pick who was going to need to catch a couple breaks in his first couple of years to even stay in the league. And yeah, big time. I, I'm not trying to disrespect him at all. I, no. I'm a Nooch fan, but it is incredibly difficult to make an NFL roster. It's 10 times harder to stay on an NFL roster. Yeah. And this guy's got an opportunity to, to put some tape out there and show people <sighs> what he's got. And well, and I, I know I'm excited. Look, he's probably never going to hear this, but I, I'm, I'm nervous too, but I'm nervous, excited, not nervous, mm-hmm. you know, that's fair. Scared to That's death, fair. right? I mean, no, I, no, he yeah, can handle I mean, I, it. Well, I, I don't remember, like, what, because I care, right? Exactly. Um, and and I just watching the kid. I mean, we've watched a lot of this kid, right? He has always handled himself, and he handled himself last week very well. Through this last week, he's handled himself really well off the field. You know, just he knows how to do the. You know, started at an ACC school, knows how to do the interview in a way that doesn't get him in trouble or anything like that. Um, very respectful, good guy off. Yes, exactly. Um, but on the field, he plays with a little bit of an edge, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, he's a little bit of a, you know, he's a, he thinks he should be out there and, and I know he won't listen to this, but I, I just hope, you know, my hope is Nooch, do you, right? I mean, just keep being you, right? And, and, do come out there the same way you came out at NC state, the same way you came out the week after you threw the pick at West Virginia, you know, like your team is terrible. <laughs> They're not good. Right. They just need a leader. Sling it. They need a leader who just is willing to go out there. And you know, that's what I mean. I mean, if they were two and five in any other division right now, you, you, if you are the coach, you would tell him there's nothing to lose. Just go out there and throw it around, have fun. Give us a chance. You know, don't worry about making mistakes because even if we play great, we'll probably lose. Right. We're now in this weird division. You're like, Oh, can they hang in for two more weeks till Dalton gets back? I mean, it's just the whole thing's crazy. So I, one thing, Rob, I think we can both be happy. You, the giants fan, me, the Washington fan. um, We can absolutely 100% without reservation root for Ben and the Cowboys this week. Oh, yeah. For the like the first time in our life, like without any hesitation, um, it would be better. The Eagles technically lead the division, so like, and we're pl- the he's playing against Carson Wentz. Like, I am. It all lines so, up. So yeah, the Sunday night part. This is going to be really fun. Like, let's all have fun. I, I, you know, I was talking to one of my neighbors the other day, and we were just saying they've been doing. They have like a covered porch, and they've been watching a lot of the Sunday night games with their kids out there. And, you know, 
none of us have been able to go to our JMU games. And uh, yeah, just anyways, we were all kind of getting excited to watch the game this weekend. Um, yeah, I, I'm more excited for that game than I've been for any other game this year. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, go Nooch. Be awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for him. I, I, I'm, I'm very. He, I, yeah. I'm nervous, but I'm nervous in the way of I've got a friend, not a friend, but yeah. one of my good friends from high school. His older brother pitched in the major leagues, and uh, he was Benifro? pitching. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, guy, Jamie, Mike Benifro, he pitched at Jamie, and I went to a couple of games when he was pitching, and even just kind of like being, I wouldn't yeah. say he was my friend. He was my my friend's older brother. He was always cool to me. Yeah. It was great to meet Jamie, but like. Going to watch him pitch in person mm-hmm. was the worst experience of a fan. Like, <laughs> you feel like he was, a, he was a middle reliever, lefty guy, kind of like specialist. And you're in a ballpark. People are cheering you on. Like, it's just a random, you know, July Sunday afternoon game. And my heart was my throat. My dad the same way. It's like, <laughs> it's an excruciating thing when you see somebody you know. <laughs> and it becomes, hey, this isn't professional athletes this is like human somebody i care about yeah 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 like i don't know nooch but but i want him to do well for him yeah and and i probably feel this way if jmu was alabama or clemson i I would be that but it's different for me because jmu is not alabama or clemson jmu is amazing obviously we do this dorky podcast we care about but like JMU is an FCS school. So I feel like there's even more pressure, more like, so I just get so excited, but I also mm-hmm. get very, very nervous. And it becomes like personal to me. Um, I feel like I'm so, right. I'm so invested in everything to do with the school um, that I want Nooch to do so well for selfish reasons. Cause I uh-huh. want to, you know, fly that JMU flag proudly and everything. Sure. But I also just feel like there's a connection, even though we'll never meet him, we'll never talk to him. Um, just as JMU fans, I feel like it's kind of part of the tribe sort of situation. So it is. I'm excited, I, but it, it it is nerve wracking. I I will be my stomach will be in knots, not to the degree that, like if the Giants were in the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. it will be closer to that than <laughs> me too, me than, too. Like a, than a normal Sunday night game. I sort honest. of said I'm like no, I need to be home at eight o'clock. Like. Yeah, ready to watch this game. <laughs> yes, you're right. And uh, yeah, and I don't know I, if I should get more beer or no beer. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, I, I'm excited. We have. Um, I think it was. Uh, I, I know we've retweeted and, and sort of interacted a little bit with Katie Harper, who worked covered the team for the Breeze a little bit the last few years, the last couple weeks, and I saw her talk this week about, you know, just. She covered Nooch, right? And yeah. and how he was always respectful and decent and cool to the kids at the Breeze that were working there too. And it just, you know, and that I think she said something about like, maybe it's true in other places, but there aren't many fan bases who love their kids unconditionally like ours. Yeah. And I don't know at the Alabama level, I, I mean, you're probably right. We'd probably feel the same, but because we all have that chip on our shoulder, you know, however you went to JMU for whatever reason you ended up graduating from there. I think most of us kind of identify with the, okay, I got a shot. I got to take advantage of it, you know? And there, there's different like Tua is a wonderful story. Sure. Joe Burrow is a wonderful story. Yes. Um, you you want to see those guys do well. You, you want to see talented people. But it's a little bit different. And money isn't everything. But when you're like, you know what? If Tua flames out, 
he's still okay. He signed, yeah. you know, he's got multi-million dollar guarantee. Like the guys hanging on the end, you know, the seventh round picks and drafted free agents. Yeah. We can say like, oh, they signed for, you know, the league minimum. They're 700 grand. That's a ton of money. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But if you make it for a year and then mm-hmm. you're done and then you got to start over and get a career, like it's just different. We would all love to have that money. We don't, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, great. sure. But it's not, it's not the same thing. There's no. a lot on the line. There's a lot of line. There's pressure at every level. There's pressure on Tom Brady this weekend. There's pressure on mm-hmm. Nooch. But it's something to be said for the guys who are like playing for the right to to get noticed, even once they've made a roster, or the guys who are playing for the right to keep playing. Yeah. And without putting any more pressure on Nooch, like you said, he's never going to listen to this, but that's the situation. Like this is an opportunity here, and he's already made a roster, but in some ways this is almost like a tryout. Yeah. If that makes yeah. any sense. No, yeah. it does. And I mean, I saw Rondell Carter tweeting about it last week, you know, when, when Nooch got in the game last week, like these guys all understand it, it is opportunity. It is just yeah. being in the right place at the right time. And and if one of them gets the chance, they all root for each other. Yeah. The guys that are in this spot, you know, that could happen. You know, I mean, well, Jimmy Delvin has Jones another. Inter- about that. Delvin, when right. he was on our pines and like, I was excited about the giants and he was like, you know, Rob, I'm not really a giants fan. He's like, I hate right. to break your, he's like, I'm a, I've got friends in the game. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of players and I'm a fan of the game itself. Yep. That made perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, even as somebody who's an outsider, who's never experienced anything close up, I can completely understand how as a player, you would just root for guys to get their chance in this business. It is, yeah. <laughs> you read all about the, the just get the chance and, to maximize chance. your opportunity. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you're a guy who drafted and, in the seventh round or undrafted, it's a totally different world than, you know, guys who are going to get three or four chances because they were drafted high, you know, because of pedigree or program. Well, like I'm, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. Yeah. I love LSU. I'm, I'm thrilled to see how good Burrow is doing. I think he's, he's awesome. got a tremendous yeah. future. He's awesome. Yeah. But even if he flamed out, Joe Burrow's never going to need to work another day in his life. <laughs> right, right. You know? Um, and that's not everything. Ryan Leaf, you know, was in that situation. Ryan Leaf fell on some really hard times. There, there are bigger issues than money. Mm-hmm. But it is a different conversation, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question, Rob, on the Nooch front. Do, do, do I start Nooch or Lamar this weekend? Oh, you, you sound like Sam. <laughs> no. Sam was treating between Nooch and, and uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, so Lamar is playing the Steelers this weekend. Um, he's actually not like the projection is. No, I know, I know what the answer is here, but I. Uh, Gosh, it's hard when there's a, it might be a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, know? it'd be Um, a good story. It it is. uh, Yeah. Uh, So anyways, we'll have fun with that. Rob, it's Halloween, man. I don't know about you. Halloween 2020. Yeah. Halloween 2020. Our neighborhood, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've never seen more Halloween decorations Decorations. than this year. And I think it's just because like, I forget and I go downstairs in the afternoon. I'm working from home. I go downstairs at two o'clock and every kid in the neighborhood is already outside. I forget Mm -hmm. that they're like done with school by then Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they have nothing else to do. Um, So I, yeah. And I feel like the decorating has, I I don't know what the actual, some of the people at my work were saying there is some kind of socially distanced, you know, trunk or treat type things at church or at school, but it's obviously not the traditional um, Saturday Halloween this year. So now, Maybe that has something to do with it, but there's a lot of that too. Like 
my boys and I have actually seized on the opportunity to um, start planting the seed with my wife that, hey, it's 2020. It's a weird year. This is the year we, we can get giant Christmas inflatables. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I think it, from viewing in my neighborhood, it seems like other people got ahead of that and did it with Halloween. There are yep. some massive Halloween decorations. Oh, these like spider webs that come down the front of the spider house. Spider webs thing. and 20 yeah. foot inflatable Draculas. And yep. um, there's a house down the street from me that is fully decked out of all these like skeletons dancing. And they've got assigned the no soul train. <laughs> and it's like a whole thing. They put a lot of time in it. It's really cool looking. Like it sounds cheesy, but they did an awesome job. And then there's another one that's got like these weird, I can only describe it as like handmade stuff tail type setup where they've got all these like stick figures and robes and i don't know people went all out around here they did and i I think christmas is gonna be the same because you can't do that much so you might as well just kind of show your spirit in other ways we actually bought a uh um for bryce we bought a fake christmas tree like a we're not there all the time so a real one just is not not practical probably not safe yeah you know burn the house down right so but haven't done that in a long time. But uh, yeah, we were kind of like, well, let's do it this year. Like, this is, we know we're probably not doing a whole lot of, I mean, we're not going to a lot of Christmas parties or spending money in other places. Um, no, we're not having our party. Let's I mean, go to our own, at our house. Like, let's let's do this thing. Yeah, exactly. We've had so, our party for what, 10 years? Yeah, yeah you guys had that straight going long. Been, yeah, a long time. Been, no, we're like, people are like, oh, you know, a couple months ago, people are like, oh, you're probably, you know, it'll be maybe smaller. We're like, we ain't, no, it, we ain't having it. We're not going to be on the news as super spreaders. My mom did buy in. We're smoking a turkey out and doing a tailgate, an outdoor. It is nice. It's Washington, Dallas, Thanksgiving. So for for us, at least, everyone agreed this year we can go to my brother's house and do some do sort of an outdoor tailgate thing. Which is oh, pretty that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyways, with on the Halloween front, we're doing our candy draft. Uh, this is uh, we do some version of this every year. It's one of our favorite things to do. We probably do the exact same picks every year. For all I know, we might. We, we will not check the archives. And- no, I, Rob. I would point out on the OT front that we did get a nice suggestion from Bruce about uh, do we remember any elections at our time during JMU? I, I really don't. I don't. You know, particularly remember. I was trying to think. I remember the '92. But that's high school for me. I mean, for me, for you and I, we're both there in 96, but that was a a re-election, right? I mean, that's Clinton that was two. Clinton. Clinton two, the second one. So not like Who the was most- Who was he running? It's Dole? Dole, right? Not the most exciting election of our lives. And then we were gone before Bush Gore. Both of us were. Yeah. So no, I don't, you know, at least presidential wise, I don't think either one of us have a have a real- Strong. I have a stronger memory of um, Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe that's a result of our age. Well. Um, Bush Gore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that's a result of our age. Yeah. And then uh, Tim asked for bad movie takes, movie or TV shows we hate that the rest of the world loves or vice versa. Uh, this is a really good one. We've done some version of this before. We will we, definitely we come back that. to that. We that's will absolutely, yeah. absolutely revisit this. I think I've been made fun of so many times for my love of the Parent Trap. But yeah, so which one? There the, we go. the Haley the, Nails the, the Lindsay the, Lowen the one. Lindsay no, Lowen. The, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know. It's anyway. all right. That's all right. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm oh, your sister supports it wholeheartedly. Yes. So, yes. Um, and as is my niece. Yeah. Yes. Last uh, point I would say is. Um, your nightcaps continue to be a big hit. 
I, I got some offline support tonight for your Sonic Youth pick. So, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, I was actually good. driving home from my son's baseball game, and Sonic Youth was on the radio, and I was like, "Man, I haven't listened to Sonic Youth in a while." So, mm. went home and real quickly Googled it before we started recording, and and found a a cool live version. Nice. And while we've been recording, I can tell you we're going to have a guest next Monday uh, to talk about Nuge and break down the game. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, Katie? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe a, 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 yeah, a yeah. fresh voice on the podcast. So that, yeah. that'll be really cool. So awesome. really excited about that. And a female and, voice. We have not had yes. as many female voices we probably should have. So. Sure. And well, we lost Nikki. I mean, Nikki has a real job now. She's yes. kind of like our our co-host and, and she's she's coaching now so yes. yeah but uh, coach shelley's so. yeah and we're gonna have coach o in the next few weeks uh two weeks, do a little, three weeks. Yeah, yeah two weeks to, to do a basketball preview women's bat women's hoops preview and and generally tell us what the hell's going on with college basketball <laughs> so we'll see uh rob you want to go first you want to do top you want to do top five picks here maybe well we got to introduce it have we even talked about what we're doing yet the candy, candy, candy draft. Candy, candy. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. This is the. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, candy Palooza here. Yeah. Candy Palooza. It's Halloween. This is hack podcast stuff. We're going to go with our favorite candies. I tried to narrow it down to quote unquote Halloween candies, mm-hmm. um, just because that makes it easier for me. Yeah, and me too. I, you I did can too. see. I have a very. Yeah, I've there's other this, candy that I like, but uh, yeah. not, not the kind you get on Halloween. Yeah. And I'm looking, I asked my kids before we started and they went very big with candies that I loved when I was younger, but really couldn't care less for now. The Sour Patch Kids and Nerds and stuff like that. I'm mm-hmm. looking at my list. So I've got a very heavy chocolate balance or chocolate I did bias. too. I thought about Nerds. I didn't think I don't, about Nerds. But. I don't think of myself as like a chocolate guy, but. No, me, I'm not either. But, um, well, my big thing, Rob, is that I have, um. How do I say this on a podcast? Um, I have been reinvigorated to the wonders of regular chocolate in the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I lived with the tyranny of dark chocolate and, you know, oh. quasi health food for many no, years. See, uh, and now I am fully back into embracing the best of the best of the know, milk I, chocolate I've, delights. Yes. I'm the other direction. So I will just start with, with my, that'll, that'll lead me to this. I'm going to go mounds. Because mm-hmm. I love I love dark chocolate. You're stealing. Oh, there you go. Nice. I, I was gonna go almond joy because I, I I really like coconut and I, I like mounds better than almond joy though. Yeah. I like I, it without the nut. I don't I think I, I do because because it's dark chocolate. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Almond joy is milk chocolate and mounds I, is almond and, and mounds nut. Um they're both great. And I also think they're like the best in terms of the bite size bars. Uh-huh. I actually probably prefer the bite size over a full one. Because I think they're really good. I think coconut I is awesome, but I think you can kind of even somebody like me who loves it, it can get a little bit much when you get down to the size of four candy bars. So I think Mounds is awesome. I, I love dark chocolate. I, I will I will ignore everything you said before about it not being good. <laughs> well, okay, um, so I still sweet like coconut. dark chocolate, but I just you know it's not like I I shouldn't like I shouldn't be limiting my my chocolate enthusiasms no. <laughs> to just dark chocolate. No. So. Yeah, my right, number one got? Heath Bar, number one, always okay. number one. No, number one from when I'm six to when I'm ninety six, if I get there. Uh, and the number I'd, one ice get, cream topping there ever will be. Always, always, always. I got to have the toffee. Um, it's the best. And any, and even some of the knockoff versions are are the pretty score. Good. Yeah, yeah. The the score is good too. Yeah, the score is good too. Hershey's I, I, version. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, this is where it gets tough for me. I've got a whole bunch on my list because I was kind of thinking that I would go second and then you would have an opportunity to take some of mine <laughs> and, turn it down, and now I'm I'm panicking. Um, well, I can go again. No, it, it's all right. I'm not going to give you that opportunity. I, I, don't, I mean, I say I'm panicking, <laughs> but I, I got to go milk duds. And again, like this is an old man one, mm-hmm. I think. Um, for Halloween, I love the little boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you get three oh, yeah, or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little, yeah, that's a perfect size. It's a perfect size. And it's a perfect size to like shove them all in your mouth and then merge into one big chocolatey caramel Caramel-y candy. Thing. Like, I don't know. I, I think Milk Duds. I was going to go Milk Duds or Whoppers, but Milk Duds is the clear favorite. Whoppers are good, but they're not anywhere on the same they're, they're not on the same playing field when you really come down to it. So. Wow. So Whoppers are my historic favorite, and I will take them here. But oh. they, I have fallen well, off. Whoppers will be little, my honorable mention. Yeah, I have fallen off a little bit. I will say that um, malt is a, a malt, a, like a shake with malted milk is my favorite. Like, I love that. The best. Like malt the best. as an ice cream yes. topping is fantastic. Yes. Um, But – yeah, Whoppers have fallen off a little bit for me. I, I actually prefer them more at the Easter time in the robin egg form mm. um, when you don't have the variety that you do at Halloween. But I'll take Whoppers here. There you See, go. Whoppers for me, like I really like Whoppers. For one, because there's many children who don't like them. So you can Correct. get a lot of them. when you, when yes. you put, And they're like, oh, you like those? I'm like, yeah, they're, they're terrific. But it's kind of that. That was one of my backup picks. It's not, uh-huh. it's not the top tier. Okay. Okay, and so are we doing three picks? Is this my final? Oh, we can do or five picks. Four? I don't know. We can do we, five. We can do five. Four Let's or do five, five, whatever. Yeah. I get... I'm going to continue mm. with my dark chocolate theme, Milky Way Dark. <laughs> oh, because well, does that leave me regular Milky Way? Which is which is a great pick. I think okay. a regular Milky Way is good. I know everybody talks about Snickers and the peanuts and no, people kind of – caramel. Have, more caramel. Yeah, more caramel. Nougat. Exactly. <laughs> the nougat is good. I know people kind of either love Three Musketeers or not, but I feel like Milky Way is the happy medium between two it terrific is. candy bars. Mm-hmm. And for me, the dark chocolate is just that extra little bit that puts it over the edge. Yes. That's a good call. Um, yeah. I mean, very I, good in the bite size. The, the Milky Way dark is very good in the bite size. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I could just take regular Milky Way, but I, I'm going to take Butterfinger here because I still like a Butterfinger. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody has disagreements on this one, but I I, I definitely like Butterfinger better than Twix, which I is like, we- I like, weird to me. But What's the – um? there's Butterfinger and then is it Fifth Avenue? Is the other one the other peanut butter? Like Butterfinger's yeah. – Butterfinger's kind of – I don't even know what to – yeah. It's I, like the peanut butter crisp type thing. Yeah, but that isn't. But I actually Avenue. like Butterfinger better than Twix or or Kit Kats. So I don't Ooh. know. I guess I just like the Butterfinger. So yeah, yeah I <laughs> yeah. like the texture. I really. Me like too. The That's what I like—the flakiness, the like the yeah. way it falls apart. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love the kind of crispiness or how it falls apart. But for whatever reason, I prefer the the Fifth Avenue, where it's like okay. the Hershey's. That makes version. sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't typically love Hershey's chocolate. I like they Hershey's kisses. What you call it? Is that a Hershey's one too? That's a yeah. Pretty... That's good. That's very yeah. Good. I mean, you don't get that at Halloween really that often, but that's a no. good one too. Yeah. But for example, like I, I love the butterfinger texture, but I like the overall taste of the Fifth Avenue. But that's good. I respect that. And, and didn't Bart Simpson endorse it? So that's oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, the Simpsons predicted this whole 2020. So yes. yes. Well, <laughs> since you just kind of threw it out there, so you don't want it, I guess I will take it now. Or, I love Twix. 
Um, nice. Yeah. I love just the, the cookie it's bar good. and the caramel. Caramel. And, and two of any candy is better than one of any candy. That is true. It's, it's, the it's way, the, especially if you're like eating it at like at work or something, yeah. And you can sort of save the second one. Like it, it feels well, like it lasts longer. And I, you can I also fool yourself because they're skinnier, so you feel like you're getting yeah. more, but you're also eating less junk food. <laughs> so it's like the perfect mind meld of like, how, how can I twist this into? No matter what I think, it's the best scenario for me. Yes. Well, so I wanted to do a non-chocolate. Um, uh, you know, pick because I'm a usually not a actually big chocolate person, mm-hmm. and I and on the Halloween front, I had to say like I thought about like I love hot tamales like at the movie or something. Mm-hmm. But you don't really get those at Halloween too much, like a uh, Mike and Ike or hot tamale. So I love Mike I, and Ike. I, well, I I debated. So the Twizzler is my probably all time candy that I have consumed the most of in my like if I went back to when I was three till now I, I and i love twizzlers but twizzler has been overrun by hideous offshoots like not like twizzler themselves not i'm not talking like red vines or some other you know semi twizzler but there's like 18 flavors now and some of them are they're all terrible just give me the tw- the red twizzler like there's like a creamsicle one now. I mean, there was always awful black licorice. It's just terrible. And, and now there's like soda flavor. I, I don't know. There's just like 15 flavors when I go to the store they're, now. They're, they're just give me the terrible. red Twizzler. I want the no, red Twizzler. No. Give them all to me. air through. Oh, it's no, so, uh, yes. no. Give them all to me so we can throw them out. They taste like bad plastic. <laughs> like to me, it's not even, it, to me, it's like, Oh, do I want a Twizzler or can I just take a bite of an extension cord? <laughs> They're just terrible. And and oh. I say this, I'm finally in a place. How dare I'm, you? How dare I'm, you? Whatever. I'm a middle-aged man. I'm finally comfortable <laughs> enough to admit that like I hate Twizzlers. I tried so hard to love Twizzlers because they're like the cool candy, particularly when you go to the movies. Like, and, and I'm talking like the heyday of movies, like when you go see Ghostbusters or Back to the Future, and everybody get the Twizzlers and their cherry coke, and they would suck, you know, they'd use it like a straw. I was like, oh, that looks so good. And take, it was just terrible. It tastes like nothing. It's awful. It's so classic. And people were like, they're juicy. I'm like, they're juicy. It's what I, for years I questioned my own taste buds. It's like, what was wrong with me? Like, how come I can't have this joy that everybody else has? It's because I'm right and everybody else is wrong. They're terrible. They're just plastic. And it's like, I'd rather eat wax lips than Twizzlers. They're so good. Oh, there's no. What kind of. They're terrible, terrible candy. That is an awful pick. Awful. I have no retort for that. Oh. This is exactly the kind of content we've been waiting for. Oh. Look at what we're built up to from having real finally, football to talk it's about. It's decades <laughs> where I can finally express myself and not just try to like them and admit that I'm right. And this is all awful. This is how I feel about 85% dark chocolate, fair grown, fair oh. whatever nonsense. Oh, yeah, I, I get that. I get, I yeah, get I'm like, just give me gin. I like, like, six fifty for a chocolate bar. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I, I was okay, gonna you get go. One more here. Yeah, yeah I, I was kind of torn between peppermint patty or junior mints. I like that, but I got to go different. I got to go non chocolate, and I'm sure after me just going off on on Twizzlers, I'm probably going to get the same sort of reaction, <laughs> if not from you, no, from from somebody else online. But mm-hmm. I love Tootsie Pops. Tootsie Pops. <laughs> yes, that's I love an the, old school Halloween candy. I old will school. Say that. Yes. How many looks? 
I just I really like Tootsie Rolls, which is a very Tootsie old man Pops thing is to a say. Good, it's a good candy. Well, I like those Brock's flavored things you get at Christmas yes. time too. But you yes. used to get a giant <laughs> in the bulk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I like. To, I think Tootsie Pops are far superior to Charms in the Blow Pops. Um, I well, actually like way the, superior to Charms. No I doubt. like the actual lollipop candy as a standalone. Sure, with that little ring around the edge that you can like bite on a little bit. Yes, I think it's great. I I think it's I like the raspberry flavor. Destroying. I'm kind of iffy on the the chocolatey flavor, but Uh all the others I think are amazing. I think that's a very underrated old man candy. So I'm going to go Tootsie Pop, and also one that you that you frequently can take from your kids because they look at it as the lame old man candy. Yeah, it's trash candy. Then it's just like a throw in. Yeah, it's they like nowadays kids treat. Tootsie Pops, like I used to treat Mary Janes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like I would throw those on the side. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Oh, All right, so what do you got? What's, what's your last one? No, I think, I, th- I mean, I think I, we're, I, I think I'm about out here. I was trying to think, I do, I think I said I like the whatchamacallit, but that's not really a Halloween candy. Oh, no, that that's a very underrated candy bar. It is a super underrated candy bar. It has like a, a lot of stuff in it. All the but stuff we talked about. not too much about. stuff. No, you're it's right. It's like just the right amount. It's like everything yeah. but the kitchen sink, except mm-hmm. the kitchen. You know, like it's it's. I don't know who perfect. makes it because I feel like it doesn't come in any of the variety packs that you get. Like no, it's its own thing. Yeah, but everybody so. I know who likes it really likes it. Yeah, so and used to have amazing commercials in the eighties. <laughs> they did well. The, hence, why I probably have a warm association with it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. If it came on after like Ninja Turtles or Mask, yeah. I probably liked it. No, yeah. that's good. You've redeemed yourself after the okay. terrible yeah. Twizzlers. <laughs> Twizzlers, which are we'll call, but which not we'll call the great other thing. flavored Twizzlers. Sorry. Yeah, all right. No. Well, Rob, this is awesome. I love the Halloween episode. It's always fun to do a candy draft. Um, thank you to everybody who suggested things today. We're going to come back to a couple of those for sure. Oh, that was uh, Andrea. Uh, that was at House of Clay. So one of our sort of longtime interactions on Twitter who reminded us it was time to do favorite Halloween candy yes, today. We appreciate yeah. that. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. So look, everybody, whatever you got to do, um, d- you know, do your duty the next few days. Um, whoever you're voting for, make sure you get out there and vote. Um, finish this, you know, hopefully finish this election season before before JMU kicks off in February, at least. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, I'm, I'm working at the poll on Tuesday, Rob. I, think I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that out loud, but yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I voted yeah. last week, and, and I made sure to thank all the poll workers. Yeah. I. It was cool, actually. I can say that uh, here in my little city, uh, there were like 35 new poll workers this year, and we had to go to this training. And I, I don't know, rough estimate, I would say 25 of them were young, certainly younger than 50. Um, I, I was on the older end of the group that was getting trained, which was pretty cool because that was a lot of people that were like recognizing what I was thinking about, which is my mom can't work the poll this year. Yeah. Right. And uh, so kind of cool. And, uh, you know, all this all of our concerns and our trepidation and our nervousness about it, uh, you know, from everybody on in everywhere this year, which is just exacerbated by the fact we've all been freaking the hell out for six months about a pandemic. Um, you know, we're almost there and, and there's still some cool things going on. So get that done this weekend, everybody 
we'll be through this. We'll be on to whatever you want to yell about next um, in a few weeks, hopefully, um, at least by January something. And before by the and when we get to talk about uh, JMU next week, Rob, hopefully we're going to be talking about Ben Danucci throwing. Would this be this would be the first touchdown pass by a former JMU quarterback if he were to throw one? I believe so. He took the first snaps. Yeah. Two yeah. games ago, and then he threw the first pass and had the first completion. Yeah, so logic would dictate this would be the first uh, touchdown. Although, knowing Nooch, um, the first one could be running, and there could yeah. be some. I, I would like to see a full Nooch celebration uh, at some I, I point. Like in to, this, I would I'd like love... to see some finger guns come out. <laughs> like I mean, he's a cowboy. Come on. It, it, yeah, he's a cowboy, right? He's a Dallas cowboy. Yeah. For the brand, absolutely. So th- th- there is at least the... I mean, it's not a. We talked about the last couple of weeks. There was a non-zero chance of Nooch playing, like a significant role. This week, there's like a, a reasonable chance of Nooch doing something cool. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, so I, I just good luck to him. Good luck to all the JMU guys and the pros this week. And we are so looking forward to the coming weeks. Um, you know, having guests, having sports to talk about, uh, having basketball coming back, and and now having football lined up to go so rob thank you good light at the end of this tunnel yeah thank you go fishing again and uh i will see you i'll talk to you next week yeah have a good week everybody love you guys go dukes
you and me.